0: Hi lovely listeners, before we get started today we wanted to let you know that this episode is now being recorded in video so you can see us and hear us. So just search for Go Love Yourself on YouTube if you'd like to watch us.
1: This is a crowd podcast.
0: This episode contains references to eating disorders, particularly binge eating disorder. If you need support for binge eating disorder, please visit beateatingdisorders.org.uk mm-hmm. Welcome to Go Love Yourself. The podcast where we're all trying to love ourselves a little bit more. It's nice to see the bottom of your body. (laughs) Did you shave your fanny for me? (laughs) I did. Laura, you're back in the country. I am. It's good to see your face. It's so tanned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so bad at all. Just want to let you know, your listeners and viewers, because we're on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and fake tanned. Before we I, met yeah, so. we're doing do this know what? in person. I want to say that it wasn't
0: on purpose for you, and I just did it for myself. But for sure, I did two. You're you a, a bit what? patchy. Not it's bad. not too bad.
1: <laughs> patchy. <laughs> Thanks, I'm babes. orange. I'm umphalumpery, aren't I? am orange i am oompa-loompa-y,
0: is your tan color. Yeah, officially is on the shade of yeah
1: orange. Sorry, not sorry. Don't hate uh,
0: me. But my favorite is that I tanned twice last night and I didn't feel like it was uh, enough, so I put on a layer this morning. Obviously, I haven't washed off, <laughs> so it's just like I'm still marinating in it, and I'm still hugely <laughs> so much paler than Laura. Also, oh, can someone please tell me sad. the um, the tan secrets of I tan. Despite washing my hands, the tan sticks
1: to the palm of my hands. Okay, so I have a little hack for you for that. Okay, yes. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want it. <laughs> you have to, Baking soda. With oh, of water, course. Yeah, obviously. And then scrub it with a brush or toothbrush or something.
0: Can I just not have orange hands and everyone just be fine I with mean, it? I mean, you can if that's look, the Look, look you how you bad go that for. is, honestly.
1: It's so bad.
0: It's not that bad. It's quite bad, though, isn't it? <laughs> It'd be fine <laughs> if it was consistent colour. It's not. It's just like, oh, you know, nice tan. And then orange palm of my hands not the front (laughs) the beautiness i can't i can't add another layer onto (laughs) my 25 million step beauty plan i appreciate you did that i did that for you and also i have had one of those weeks where you know like i've gone full troll yeah i have not brushed my hair nice uh, for four days i have showered not every day but most days (laughs) uh and i haven't put makeup on or like plucked or shaved anything and i did the full thing for you today Oh I you should you showed legs. your fanny
1: just for me. I did not oh,
0: okay <laughs> No, we only did well I might do that this weekend. Just <laughs> <laughs> getting back on bumble.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be a bit weird <laughs> if you <laughs> showed your fanny for me, to be fair, wouldn't it? I like, love not gonna bit, see I'm it. glad that you
0: said that yet <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, but let's all get very excited about the fact that we're in person today. We are. We're recording a few episodes in person and this is so exciting. We haven't it's done really this for, exciting. since May 2022. twenty twenty really? two. It's the last time we recorded in person. Long time. It's nice to see the bottom of your body. <laughs> did you show your funny for me?
1: <laughs> I
0: did. <You> did. <laughs> why is this weird? got weird really quickly didn't it <laughs> why did we have to go to shaved fannies we don't know we will never know um but it's so nice to see
1: you in person i missed you too. so much did you have a wonderful holiday i really did thanks yeah it looked
0: ridiculous. it was and i'm really so glad that you yeah had nice time.
1: i was really poorly for like most of december as you know i just could not catch a break so and i was really poorly when i got there but i just had the best time I just didn't really do a lot. Just relax, read. I actually listened to uh, a podcast called Maintenance Phase. Love on maintenance holiday, phase. and I've got a new obsession with Aubrey Gordon, who <sighs> is the co-host. Uh, she's an author as well, and I—it's uh, an amazing podcast. So and it's—we're uh, <laughs> like the Diet Coke version of, of we've it. We've decided that, like, yeah, we both really love, and we've we've talked about
0: like how. Our podcast are obviously similar in the stuff, that some of the stuff we talk about, but very different in the delivery. Yeah. <laughs> in that ours <laughs> is like... Meh! And I understand that's, you know, probably mostly me and I apologise. And Maintenance Face is very considered, very intelligent, very thought out. Very articulate. So we have decided not that political. we are the Diet Coke version, yeah. if not the audi own brand version. <laughs> Does Maintenance Face have their very own bag of dicks? <gasps> like an actual physical... <laughs> Hanging up behind Laura right now. Bag of dicks. It does not. A whole bag of <laughs> dicks. <laughs> with... I can't tell you
1: how much I love this.
0: It's amazing. This was made by a producer and it's literally a red sack uh, with a white felt penis on the front. That's quite
1: large. Very
0: large. Very large. I mean, I'd be happy with that. And this is... So this is part of the <laughs> unknown. Yeah, I think we'd all be happy with that. <laughs> So this is part of a new segment we've brought in about we're going to start putting things into the bag of dicks, basically, that we don't like and just deserve to be in there. We're going to do that a little bit later in this episode with our fabulous guest. But also I wanted to talk about our kind of antidote to the bag of dicks Mm -hmm. was, because you know me, I just like, you know, the sunshine all the time. Mrs. Santa Claus. Mrs. Santa Claus was the sack of sunshine, but you didn't feel great about
1: that. I hate that. Despite the wonderful Hallmark movie image it gives... You don't want sack of sunshine? I do not like sack of sunshine. It, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> she doesn't
0: want. Yeah. So uh, we put it out on Instagram for some different names for the sack of sunshine. And we had some great ones. My absolute favourite one was, and I think this has to win,
1: Fun Bags. Fun Bags. <laughs> Seems almost like a little bit naughty, doesn't it? I absolutely love fun bags. Okay, well, it's going to be fun. Oh, no, I don't like it. No, it it, it feels like it's boobs. <sighs> fun bags. And it just feels correct. Yeah, fun bag. I actually thought ball bag
0: Oh well that's you what okay, that's bag. where we're at. No, I'm for, like for, I, I had an ex boyfriend who called these the fun bags. <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> And he's an ex boyfriend what? <laughs> uh yeah,
1: because you know, bags are fun. <laughs> do we have to have it? Can we just be miserable and have a bag of dicks, thanks?
0: Absolutely not. Okay, well then just keep
1: <laughs> trying with suggestions, all right?
0: Well, in my fun bags this week can be the fact that you're back in the country. Uh don't leave me ever again although I do love it when you go away because I feel like you just soak up the sunshine and you like you just feel so much brighter and I know you were so poorly at the end of the year and you just feel fabulous thank
1: you I do I feel like I was meant to live in a much sunnier climate 1000% you need to leave
0: <laughs> the UK from between November to May yeah and I think you'd be alright
1: <laughs> I'm all right with that <laughs> So today's episode is a, a more serious topic and it's something that's really close to my heart. I've shared previously about my experience with binge eating disorder. So I'm really, really excited to welcome a very special guest today. So we have Sarah Dosange who is a former binge eater turned psychotherapist. So welcome Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. This is so exciting. In person. In person, <laughs> <I know. laughs> this
0: is so I got, we haven't had a guest in person for over a year I think. Is it really this been that This is long?
1: exciting. It might be 6 months. But either way, <laughs> <laughs> we are really, really excited to have you. We're really big fans. So thank you so much for for being here. And You're this so such
0: welcome. we have had so many comments about this particular topic talking yeah. about binge eating both laura and i sh- i think potentially struggle with it on different levels so we're like thank god you're here <laughs> and in person as i well, was super excited but before we start we have the very important thing um <laughs> of... <laughs> the how do i intro this new thing <laughs> with people in real life right so welcome to our new section which we are calling bag of dicks uh so essentially uh we have got something that we're calling the bag of dicks where every week we're going to try and put something into the bag of dicks that makes us angry pisses us off or just generally deserves to be in the bag of dicks so sarah for the first time you're going to do this however not only are we doing this for the first time we actually have a physical (laughs) physical in the real life dick bag which our producer (laughs) fion has created and so, uh, for our viewers on YouTube, will actually be able, able to that. see it. Although you it, will be, this, you? it will be expecting
1: this, it will
0: be it will be censored on YouTube. <laughs> let's put it that way. But let's just say it is a beautiful red bag with a white phallic shaped man good. penis on the front. <laughs> it just makes me think of Christmas looking at it. I feel like right? it's yeah, it, it looks like a Christmas stocking. Christmas, sack. but like I don't know what's inside. <laughs> <I don't> know.
1: <laughs> so sorry. What's going on in the bag of dicks?
0: Well, I
2: think a lot of professionals that work with binge eating are really passionate about using their own experience to help others. And I'm big on that. I talk about my own experience all the time. But one of my personal bugbears is when professionals who struggle with binge eating, they don't acknowledge their own biases. Right. So they they take their experience and they assume. So I can assume from my experience, well, everyone needs to do the same thing that I did to recover from binge eating. And I see this everywhere on Instagram yeah. and they're saying if you do this this will definitely be the result and there are people coming to me who say they feel gaslighted oh, really? by that's the so non-diet message because they're told mm. give yourself permission to eat which I 100% agree with I'm all about permission Yeah, but then it's without any nuance whatsoever and it's like that's it and you'll be fixed and then it's not working for some people because it can be more complicated than that
1: yeah it's a lot more nuance I think I think that's something that I've also struggled with from that, the, the other end of that is seeing that especially when it comes to, like diets more and like or exercise it's, if i can do it so can you and i think people don't understand their body privilege or other kind of types of privilege like access to personal trainers access to personal therapy mm-hmm. and i think like you say it is like it's a lot more complicated than that so i'm really pleased that yeah like, <laughs> 100%, 100% you're for the lose that. and you're right it mm. goes at the
2: other end there'll be people who say if you cut out flour and sugar that's what i did and i stopped binge eating that's mm. what you need to do as well and
0: especially in the the arena of specifically binge eating and it's so like wild and complicated and emotional and anyway personal. such a good one yeah for the bag dicks very good point and it goes we love that and It goes. <laughs> 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 oh, i'm so excited for this episode i think uh, hopefully we're going to learn a lot and i learn a lot from your videos anyway and you have such an amazing way of putting stuff because you make things relatable and so if you're not following sarah on instagram please go follow her she's literally awesome but so we're going to start our episode off like really simple and We want you to kind of tell us a little bit about what binge eating is.
2: Okay. It's not that simple, but I'll I'll make it as simple as I can. Okay. Because you've got clinical binge eating, that's the diagnosable type, and you've got binge eating in the way we talk about in everyday life. Just like depression with a capital D and a small d. Oh, okay. Okay. So clinical one is in a discrete period of time, the example given is about a two-hour window, eating an amount of food that's definitely larger than most people would in similar circumstances and accompanied by a sense of loss of control that you cannot stop. That's the clinical one. But already that's really subjective, because what is more Mm. food than most people would eat? Yeah, Yeah, it's like a scientific What defined amount mean? Yeah, Yeah. If you go on holiday and it's an all-inclusive buffet, what does everyone do on the first day, right? (laughs) That would look like a a binge. That would fall into a binge on a Mm. Tuesday afternoon at home, because most people wouldn't do that. Mm. But on holiday it might be something different. So that's clinical. But the way I like to think of it, because... There are so many people out there who feel like they struggle with binge eating, but they're like, is it bad enough? Am I binging enough for it to be a problem? I can I right stop? Like, I don't know same. about
1: you. To yeah. be honest, same.
2: And so I think for me, it's all about the experience of the person. So if we're talking about everyday life, it's out of control and compulsive eating. So it feels like you can't stop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It feels like
2: you're acting against your own will sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't. That's, the, that's where it gets even more complicated because binges can be violent and feel like you're harming yourself and they can also be soothing and feel like you're taking care of yourself mm.
0: that is so interesting well, yeah i could already tell that we're both gonna cry in this episode <laughs> but yeah and i guess like to binges last a period of time so like could it be a day a week two years
2: yeah 100 percent. okay oh. so when it first started i think for me i binged pretty much every day for nine months And then I had this three week respite Mm. and I thought I'd fixed everything and then it came back again. And I would have these patches where sometimes it might be a week, a month, three months of continuous binging Mm. and then a respite. But the respite was never normally longer than two or three weeks.
1: So what causes like binge eating? Like I've just mentioned to you before we started recording, I've just been diagnosed with polycystic ovaries. So... Is it genetic? Is it hormones? Is it emotional? Is it because of my upbringing? Is it because of my surroundings? Like, what are the reasons why we, like, binge eat? In answer to all those things you said? You know what I'm going to say? (laughs) Yes. Yes
0: and yes, yes.
2: So they call it, like, all disordered eating. It's a bio-psycho-social problem. Okay. So there's biology. That's your hormones. That's neuro-processing, neurochemistry. That's your gut health. It's all of that. Then you've got the psychological, that's your emotions, that's the way you think. We've got a whole mind-body connection thing. What we're believing affects our biology and how our bodies react. Because you know that if you've got something big tomorrow, you're going on holiday, you can feel excited now and have a physiological response Mm. because of what your mind's thinking. Just like when you think about food, ghrelin, your hunger hormone, increases. So if you're in a cycle of obsessing about food, your biology is constantly preparing to eat. That 's why it can feel so powerful, I didn't right, know that. the last bit being the social, which of course is we 're influenced by how other people eat around us that's diet culture, something like restriction could come under social psychological, and there's a biological backlash to
0: restriction as well. it makes me feel better I guess that it's no wonder that so many people struggle with binge and/ or overeating, yeah, to be honest
1: like this is not a new thing, is it, but uh, do you, it kind of feels like it's more prevalent, I think people are looking for diagnosis as well as kind of like like options as well which i think is a really really good thing is that fair like to say like i think it's probably always been around but i also do feel like i don't know like the culture that we live in has that kind of made a difference as well so like how we have you seen that Well, there's so much secrecy around something
2: like binge eating. Mm. Not many people are binge eating in front of other people. It's you alone with the food. Mm. So when people will reach out to me because they've just heard that binge eating is a thing, for Mm. want of a better word, there's this relief. Oh, my Mm. goodness. There's a name. What other people feel like this, too. It's not just me. Yeah. And people will message me and they've never spoken to anybody about it. So we don't know the scale of what this problem is. All I know is I go to a social situation. People find out what I do. And almost inevitably, someone (laughs) pulls me aside to say... I'm really struggling with food. This is what's going on for me. Really, yeah. And I see it everywhere. But again, I own my biases. I'm not going in the bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I own my biases.
1: I am going to see it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going here. Don't make me. Don't me in. Don't it <laughs>
0: We all like the definitions. I think this is what it is. And people liked the diagnosis and definitions and terms. And it's, it's nice to be able to go, I've got this. I've got this. And you can somehow put it in your mind a little bit better. So I was wondering if there's a difference between binge eating and overeating i don't think i've got the clinical definition of binge eating as you said but i certainly
1: overeat for all of the reasons that you just said i think some people myself included well when they think binge eating Mm. sometimes they will naturally assume that it's like going to the shop spending i don't know 20 30 quid on like food and then eating it all in the same sitting until you feel sick or are sick Mm. and i think it's can't it sometimes it's not is it fair to say like it's not always that extreme because that's why I was like oh maybe I don't have it mm-hmm. but then I'll also sit down in one sitting and eat like a lot of food until I'm very very full and only then will I feel satisfied but then I'll hate myself blah 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 I come across this all the time where people are like am I bad enough to qualify <laughs> yeah <this?"> basically <laughs> and I have to be
2: bad enough so what I so I struggled with binge eating for many years and when I'm coming out of binge eating I'm coming out of binge eating a large part of it was letting go of restriction but then i'm sort of in this general overeating pattern and it didn't feel i was saying to myself well at least when i had binge eating i had a real eating disorder now i'm just struggling with overeating what does Mm. that mean the way i put it is would you choose this for yourself so you lauren Mm. who you're not sure like whether you would Mm. qualify as such would you choose the way that you eat would you choose that for yourself Mm, on the whole probably not so it's not a choice. Okay. Like you're trapped in something. Okay. That's how I might think about it. That's
0: so interesting. This mm. is already so good. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no,
2: I wouldn't. And I think where people feel like they're maybe not, you know, they haven't really got a problem with binge eating is it seems like if you get an urge to binge or a strong urge to eat compulsively, mm. there's a lot of black and white thinking that goes on around binge eating. It's just a part of it. If you don't, if you're not a black and white thinker, you're unlikely to ever struggle with binge eating. Mm. But if you get an urge to binge, it seems like I binge, I give in or I fight it. Mm. It seems like those are the two options. Mm. But if you think about it, if you haven't an urge to binge and you're trying to resist that urge, you've got like two voices in your head going like one just keeps going to the kitchen, the thing you want. The other one's going, I really shouldn't do it. And you're back and forth to be in conflict with ourselves is so uncomfortable. Mm. It's agitating. We don't always have a name for that feeling. And it always seems like. Really, the only way to resolve that conflict is to eat. Otherwise, it feels like that could go on forever because you could say no. But mm. the other part of your brain can go, no, go on, go on, go on. Yes. And I think people <laughs> get so worn down by it that sometimes the, the impulse comes. You just don't even try and fight it because you know where it's going to end up. And then people feel guilty because like, I'm not fighting hard enough. So the reason why I'm struggling with this is because no. I'm not trying hard enough. And oh. this is another way of knowing if it's a problem. It's the harder you try, the worse it seems to get with something like binge eating.
1: Laura, I don't know about you, but my mind is blown. <laughs> like, it I does just, feel really like reassuring, like you said, like almost like validate. Like when I got diagnosed with PCOS, I was like, "Oh, okay, so there's a reason like for these sort of things and like the headaches, the sleepiness, the insulin, is it like wanting sugar, all of that." But I think that there's a lot of shame attached with binge eating. Is that something that you've kind of found like with the people that you help?
2: Yeah, massively. And I've been there myself as well. I remember I would think to myself. I can't even feed myself. Like, that seems like the most basic thing that Mm. a human being should be able to do. And I couldn't do it. And so, yeah, and I think that's why now, like, having these social spaces, these online spaces where people don't feel so alone is such a big part of it. And the way I think about it is, like, a binge kind of comes from the lower part of the brain. So in our lower brain, we've got, that's one of our emotional centers. So when we fall into shame, we're much more emotionally reactive. You'll see that some people, when they're in shame, they'll fold into themselves. Other people get aggressive. We become reactive. When we emotionally react, our lower brain becomes really active. And you can see it on scans, the blood flow moves away from your prefrontal cortex where you're thinking and into your lower brain. So now you're making decisions from the emotional part of your brain. And guess what else is there? Your appetite center as well. Oh, what? so that's why it feels like you ever had that experience where it feels like it's just a switch it doesn't yes. even feel like you're making the decision the decision's coming from another part of your brain yeah you're thinking it feels like a lack of control gone.
1: yeah i often feel like that like really out of control and i've i've often associated that like, i was talking about the shame i've often associated that with a lack of self-discipline and i think that for a lot of people that aren't in a bigger body or any kind of marginalized body i think it's sometimes hard to for people to understand because they they just think that like fatness is a choice and like binge eating over is a choice like it doesn't feel like that and in other areas of my life in terms of like work relationships and other things I'm like disciplined and for me anyway it feels like the one thing really that I don't feel like I have any control of but then then there's another sense for me that feels like I don't want control of it because I love food and it's like food is my crack Mm -hmm. and like a crack addict doesn't want to give up crack I don't want to give up my crisps and my chocolate and my sweets and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it can just feel like it's a head fuck, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a, like I said, earlier, yeah, it is really exhausting. I think unless oh, you look, like, you're getting emotional. No, it's just like
0: literally. It's, it's, <laughs> no, no, no I I'm, I'm enjoying listening to your story, and no, I agree with you. Like you're so you're quite organised and in control of your a lot of your life. And as you said, like the food is like the one thing. So as your friend, mm. like I know, like you talking about that, I noticed that as well. And it's just so nice for somebody who is qualified to sit here and say, hey, do you know that your brain is like actually working against you? And do you know that hey, it's not like you're full. If you need that reassurance, it's just. Like, yeah, you're blowing my mind, babes. (laughs) Your brain is trying to work for you. Okay. You know, so to look at it like an enemy
2: that you're going to, you want to fight, because this is what people do. They say, I just want to get rid of this part of me. Yeah. But because it is a part of us, you just end up in this constant fight with yourself, which you can't win. Do you know, um, did you ever see that Friends episode with Monica's Closet? Yes. Where like it's all, so Monica's a super organized person, but her closet <laughs> yeah. is an absolute state. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, I almost feel like that's it with Binge because so many mm. people like you, Laura, are like they have their shit together in other areas of their life. It's all the chaos
1: gets put into this one area here. Right. Does it feel like a rebellious act for you? sometimes it's like yeah it feels like I'm like almost like punishing myself and that sometimes I feel like I take care of the house and the dog and my husband and I'm last Mm -hmm. and like it's like also like for me almost does feel like I'm pushing down emotions but like a lot of people that do that it's because of trauma and I don't think apart from like (laughs) hashtag daddy issues growing up (laughs) being bullied about my weight and it being a massive thing I don't really feel like I like I had that, but yeah, like I do feel like it is almost sometimes like a like I'm punishing myself, but it's also a mixture of like pleasure as well. This mm. is really deep and weird, yeah. but yeah, it's yes, yeah, it's complex. But it, it,
2: what I'm I don't know if I'm hearing you correctly, but what I'm hearing in that is it's almost I almost hear an apology in there that I haven't had the trauma. So what's my justification, yeah. if you like? Yeah, and I don't think that it's that it's about that and. There's so many different aspects. like if I can just you've said before on your podcast that for you, you've used the term comfort eating and you've talked mm. about going through a traumatic time and it being a comfort. Mm. And I might want to reframe that and say that I think that was safety. Yes. Comfort <laughs> minimizes like it's the minimization of the experience and going like mm. it's not a big deal, but I'm still doing it and I feel terrible about myself that I'm doing it. You do it to try and feel safe when it's a trauma response. But in other ways, it can come up for so many kinds of reasons. You think food makes us feel safe. Mm. Like it regulates our nervous system, it calms everything down. So that's a big part of it for a lot of people, too.
1: I think it's so interesting. It's <laughs> so interesting. I, know if I find myself, I feel very emotional because I think for so long it has just felt like a personal failing. Mm.
0: Yeah. But it's not. Honestly, we're both emotional. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I thought this today. I was like, I'm going to cry today. <laughs> but yeah, you're so right. I think reframing it as safety. Oh, my goodness. If you're, you know, if anyone listens to this, going through something traumatic, stressful, awful, I think reframing it as safety, because when you're in those moments, you need to feel safe and you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So I think that's huge. That mm-hmm. has honestly blown my mind. <laughs>
1: it's time for a quick word from today's sponsor, Calm. Now, now you're probably half listening to this ad or getting ready to skip it, but I just want you to take a quick second to tune in and be mindful of how you feel right now. Take a minute, take a deep breath. And if you're feeling stressed or anxious, keep listening so we can tell you all about Calm.
0: Calm is the app that helps you stress less, sleep more and live a happier and healthier life. Their guided meditations, sleep stories, relaxing music tracks and gentle movement sessions are all designed to give you tools to improve the way you feel. So, for example, my current favourite is a sleep story read by Sam Heughan, who is Mr Outlander, for those that know. And his just very sultry Scottish accent just drifts you off to sleep so beautifully. I love it.
1: Over 100 million people around the world use Calm So even if you've never meditated before You'll get the support you need to reduce stress Improve focus and uplift your mood
0: The sleep stories can help you drift off calmly Or even just keep you company If you're overthinking while you try to sleep And new content is added every month And if you go to calm.com forward slash love You'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription That's calm.com slash love For 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library
1: (laughs) Can you tell us, if you don't mind, a bit about your story and like yeah. how you said that you binge for like, what, nine months? That's how it started. I binged okay. for 10 years. Tell us if you're happy to. Nine tell us about your story. Nine was the first
2: binge as such. Okay. So I was 25 and for the first time in my life, I decided to try and lose a bit of weight. I grew up thin, so I'd never really struggled with my weight. And I was still thin when I tried to lose weight. And I just restricted for a couple of weeks. That was it. And then the binging came in unbelievable force. And I was getting up at two or three o'clock in the morning and I was binging. I was fishing food out at the bin and binging. I was stealing food, taking food that didn't belong to me. I wasn't going to shops, but you know what I mean? People that, if I'd asked them, I probably could have had it. But, Mm. you know, Mm. there's that whole shame thing around that. And then about a year into my binging, about a year and a half, they found I had a tumour on the pituitary gland. Right. So i got a tumour between the pituitary and hypothalamus, which meant my hormones were out of whack. Aye. So my theory is that when I tried to restrict, for whatever reason, whatever was going on hormonally, there was some kind of reaction. It felt very visceral. It felt... It felt really physical because I'd never experienced that before and it was so sudden and, and so intense. And it was one of those where, you know, you shared your experience of gaining weight mm. where in the matter of a few months, I'd gone up several clothes mm. sizes and having that, oh, like the double take of people yeah, yeah when they yeah. see you. And I was a police officer at the time and those those uniforms do not have any elastic oh, or give. They you. are They're brutal, those uniforms. Yeah, <laughs> not cute. So, I mean, I was ordering new uniform every couple of weeks, which was just... Yeah. So I was just falling more and more into a, a shame spiral. I thought I was losing my mind. Um, so when I found out I had these hormonal problems, I thought, great, it's all physical. Like For I reason. just get my hormones sorted out and it'll be fine. Mm. So I started gradually like having hormone replacements and it didn't get as visceral, but the binging just it just continued because the cycle of it was already set in motion. I right. developed such a emotional relationship with food. And that was when I really had to get to work on my psychology and my emotions around food because I realised that the medical world was not going to be able to save me from mm, this one. Mm. So again, it may have even been a coincidence, the hormonal things, but I do think that there was probably a link between that. So there was a couple of years where I struggled with bulimia. So I could do a big binge, yeah. but I wouldn't be able to get rid of all the food. Right. So even though I would have fallen into the bulimia criteria... Mm. I still felt that, you know, I identified more with the binge eating disorder part. One of the pivotal moments for me was realising how even planning to restrict triggered binges. And this is where the intuitive eating last supper... Eating thing comes in, so it's the idea. If you're going to diet on Monday, what happens at the weekend? Yeah, like you, everything you can, of course. All but I was time. basically doing that every single day because the right. next day I was always making promises to myself yeah. about how I was going to do uh, it differently. Same. So almost every night was becoming a binge mm. because tomorrow I tomorrow. wasn't going to be allowed these yeah. things. So that I think was a big part. When I gave that part up, that really reduced the intensity of the binging. But I still had. It's almost like food had become this real place it was a place to deal with my emotions and related to the feeling safe and wanting to escape myself i just mm. constantly felt like a disappointment and um yeah food became a way of just being able to turn that switch off and just being like i don't want to don't want to have to be me i don't want to think about life i just want to switch off so my binges became much more what i might call like slow binges over a few hours just tv And food. Mm. So, one of the things I did in my recovery for a couple of months, I went two months where I didn't eat anything in front of the television. Okay. So, I said to myself, I can have whatever I want. I just wanted to try and break that link. Mm. When people talk about like food addiction and all of that being quite a contentious issue, for me, I feel like what I was playing, the addictive process I was playing out at that point
1: was food and screens. Yeah, I can relate to that. Literally there right now. Yeah. Mm. That's wild. To the point where, like, I think food is is there to be enjoyed and I think it is a, a, a big part of a, of most people's lives. But it for me, it has almost got to the point of like, I'm not even enjoying it, I'm just doing it. Mm, yeah. And that that is, again, that feeling of being out of control or maybe punishing myself. I don't know what it is, but that, yeah, that is like, um, I know, something that I would definitely like to kind of
0: <laughs> address and, and like
1: kind of get help with. Because if you're not even enjoying it, then... Yeah. What's the point? But I think the first part that has to be dealt with is the shame. Mm.
2: I don't think we can change from a place of shame because, and so the antidote to shame is connection and um, self-compassion. And the whole point of those two things is it cools down those emotional jets. Mm. You know, let's get rid of morality. It got to a point where I was able to go, it's okay. If I binge, I'm just going to use it as an opportunity to learn. And for me, I think my relationship with food by that point was just a mirror of my relationship with myself which just was not great. Right. At that point in my life I just I'd put everything on hold because I was struggling with this food thing. Right. Dating all of that for like 10 years didn't date.
0: Um Are you <laughs> What? (laughs) Okay, got ya. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Honestly, your story is so interesting, and you mentioned there about recovery, and I just wanted to ask, how do you go from that to recovery? I feel like because sometimes
2: people say, "Oh, you know, how long did the recovery part take?" I feel like I was trying to recover from the minute it started. I was Mm -hmm. trying to stop, so it always feels like you're trying to stop something. So there were just different points. There were like different twists and turns. I think the hormones helped a bit. They helped me to feel better. They gave me more energy because I was just fatigued all the time. So that did help a bit. The intuitive eating side of things really helped. But I think the biggest change for me was moving away from the black and white, all or nothing thinking. Mm. Okay. You know, It's like either I can have this or I can't. I should or I shouldn't. Mm. And one of the ways I talk about permission is like with food, you're never saying yes or no to food. That's not the question. The question is now or not now if you know you can always have it there's very few occasions where this is your only opportunity to have it true and i think the permission part sometimes gets interpreted as now 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 Mm. but if you look at the two options as being like have the food or don't have the food there's a whole gray area there but how do you gently negotiate with those two parts one part that's saying have it one part that's saying don't have it or this is not a good idea or you're going to feel bad about it later
1: and that's the relationship with ourselves, to be able to negotiate with different Literally. parts of ourselves. That is such an interesting point, isn't it? It's not now and ever, it's now or not now. Mm-hmm. Like, that is so interesting. I definitely think like, I have a fear of being hungry. Mm-hmm. And I don't and I, I, I really struggle with secret eating as well. Like Me and my husband always have a bit of a joke about it, like, because I hide food and I have to change my stash location because he will find <laughs> it. But I get more pleasure out of eating in secret and having hidden food. And yeah like that whole like yeah fear of hunger thing I don't know that's just that's blown my mind it's a really interesting way of thinking about it yeah because I think again like you touched on that morality of food I think that's something that we've a lot of us have grown up with Of like food is good or bad and you are a good or bad person for eating it when in reality that's not the case like some food has more nutritional or less nutritional value but we do place a lot of our kind of like worth don't we on like I've had a bad day because I've been bad because I've eaten bad food Yeah, and you're hearing it all the time in the staff kitchen. Oh, I'm going
0: to be good today. I'm going to be bad today. I don't think we're going to change that. Yeah, people are going to say that. You can talk to them, but they're always going to say it. It's always around. So yeah, that morality of food. And you did a really good video recently. This is what I mean by say like you 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 phrase things so fabulously. And you had a carrot and a Mm -hmm. carrot cupcake, and you were like. You know, sometimes I want the carrot, sometimes I want the cupcake. I, you know, I'm going to have the carrot in a roast dinner and I'm going to have a cupcake if I want something more enjoyable and fun. But the fact that I want the carrot or the cupcake doesn't make me a bad or good person. And I think the way that you frame stuff is really. Yeah, so important. Yeah. But the cake's always going to be more appealing to me as well. I think sometimes it that's, can make it sound like, look, I can
2: have either one of these. And yes. because I'm just so neutral about foods and I just, my body wants exactly what it wants. And that's another danger is when you're hearing people say, listen to what your body wants. Mm. My body
0: wants cake.
2: Well, your body doesn't. doesn't body actually, doesn't know
0: I want cake. <laughs> <laughs> your, body, your body doesn't
2: have words. The words come from the mind. Mm. So anything that's coming from your body has to be interpreted in the mind. Well, what's in the mind? Shed a load of diet culture stuff a whole load of judgment. So you've got all of that going on at the same time as you're trying to listen to your body and it's oversimplified this message.
1: At what point did you realise like this was a problem and what did you do to get help to resolve it? Mm -hmm. I think the first time that I thought, oh shit, I'm
2: in trouble, was probably only a couple of weeks into it and I think I'd got up at about two o'clock in the morning and fished the Domino's pizza out of the bin to eat it. A pizza that I had taken out of the box And put in the bin to stop myself from doing that. And I still went and did it. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I was frightened. I was really, really scared at that point. It really did scare me because that was the point where I really realised, I don't know what this thing is. And contrary to a lot of people who are a bit more secretive about it, at the time, in the beginning, I was telling everyone. Because I couldn't understand what this thing was. And I wanted somebody to give me this incredible answer because it seemed to hit me like a bolt from the blue. Mm. So... When I decided to start training to be a therapist when I was 31, I was still struggling with binge eating. I was still in it. I didn't become a therapist in order to work with binge eating. I think in the back of my mind, I thought, if I ever managed to get through this, then maybe I would. But at the time when I joined, I just needed some meaning in my life, I think was a big part of it for me. So as you train to be a therapist, you have to go into therapy yourself. Mm. So there was that. I never worked with any therapists who knew anything about this stuff. So I've had therapists recommend to me that I do the 5-2 diet. This was when I was struggling with bulimia. My first therapist I ever went to see was a CBT therapist who was a specialist in binge eating. And after my seventh session, I remember I was doing everything she told me. I was the perfect client, but my binge eating was as bad as ever. Nothing was calming down. And just as I left, she said, Sarah, she goes, I really want you to try this week. And like, oh, like the shame that came down. I carried that story for years that the reason why I hadn't come through this was because I wasn't trying Mm. hard enough. So, as I said, a big turning point was um, realizing the restriction, even thinking about restriction was causing binge eating. And then getting to a place where I had to accept my body where it was. And I realized I would rather have my sanity around food than pursue weight loss Mm. and sometimes people will say well how do you get to that point how do you get to that point where you're willing to accept your body and the only thing i can say to that was just hurting too much to try not to when that part kind of came in Mm. that was as i said when the binge eating reduced and then it was a couple of years of really just trying to understand my relationship with food refusing to shame myself for food so even now i have a pact with myself that if i were to binge again i am not going to shame myself about it You know, I'm not going to feel like that's a failing. Like there's something going on there for me to understand. I imagine I'd probably end up talking about it on my YouTube or on my podcast or something like that. I imagine I would be open about it, but I'm just not going to shame myself about it. So a big part was really, I know it sounds so cliche, but it was really the self-acceptance part. And the acceptance of being able to be with myself, even when I felt like I wasn't being productive. Because how often does binge eating and unproductivity go hand in hand when you've had a really productive day a lot of people find their urge to binge is much less Mm -hmm. compared Mm -hmm. to when you have a day where you don't feel productive oh
0: my god so true yeah
2: if you've got a really critical voice in your head and food is a really good way of switching that off and tuning out to it for a bit you don't have to keep hearing all the things you should be doing and should be being that's another part of it as well so i think the therapy really helped me to understand myself but I, i feel like a lot of the stuff i did around food was kind of done On my own.
1: A question I think a lot of our listeners will be sitting listening to this thinking is how do I get better? How is this ever going to end? Basically, that is actually a question that someone did come in and say to us. Yeah, I know it could sound like everything's stacked
2: against you, Mm -hmm. but there is so much hope. I think one of the places where people fall into the pit of despair is they think, well, I'm here, I'm binging and I want to be not binging. Mm -hmm. And that looks so far away. And this, again, is the all or nothing thinking. So if they're at a one and they want to get to 100, the question is often, well, what would a seven look like? What would an 18 look like? You can always get into a more comfortable place with food and with your relationship with food. And is it still worth it to hit a 75? Because sometimes the all or nothing thinking is like, no, 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 unless I can be completely binge free and lose a load of weight and do all of that, then it's not worth it. And so the first thing is, as I've said before, like you've got to work on the shame and do that through connection. And I think your podcast offers that connection. Connection doesn't just have to be talking to somebody. When you're listening to something and it resonates, you're thinking, oh my goodness, that's me. That's a moment of connection as well. Mm. And the self-compassion part, which sometimes makes people like cringe, (laughs) is so, so important because that's what cools down your lower brain so that you can keep your perspective brain like online. Mm. And so there's work to be done on the critical voice and developing a more nurturing voice in your head as well. People sometimes think that like being kind to yourself means being really nice, means going, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've binged. That's not going to feel true in the moment, because in the moment it feels like it does matter. Mm. You don't feel good. So one of the things I encourage people to ask is, what is the kindest way of looking at this moment that
1: still feels true? Do you want to try that, like after
2: a binge, what that would be,
1: Laura? I don't even know how, what that would look like. I think after a binge, I just feel so worthless. Why have I done that? I hate myself. You're useless. Like you have no discipline. Like I feel sick and I feel sick, not just physically, like as in like, I hate myself. I don't know how I would change that. I think other than, oh, well, I don't really know. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I genuinely yeah. don't know because I think I'm really hard on myself because I feel like I deserve to feel crap about myself
2: yeah yeah so people fall into two traps they fall into that trap like berating themselves Mm. or they do the oh it's okay i'll just forget about it and i'll just move on like that moving looking forward thing right actually so to offer an alternative it might be something like because it has to feel true right Mm. so it could be like okay i've just binged again and i'm feeling really disappointed about that Like acknowledging the feelings that are there, not trying to like gaslight yourself or just push your feelings down, tell yourself you're okay. And it might be then, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still trying to figure it out and I'm feeling lost. I don't know how to yet. Mm. I mean, does that feel true? Yeah. Say that it's a struggle, you feel lost. Isn't it kinder to say it's a struggle and you're lost than to say you've got no discipline, you've got no willpower, you've got this, the other. But the willpower stuff's just a load of crap anyway, because you don't need willpower unless there's a conflict of will. Mm. Right. there's a conflict there. So yeah, we have to build up that nurturing voice. If you're going to do anything that involves working on yourself in this way, becoming your own ally, like having your own back is really important. And I encourage people to think about how do you want to treat yourself when you fall short of your expectations? And everyone's like, "Oh, well, I don't want to fall short of my expectations." But you need a plan. Mm. Otherwise, automatic thinking will happen because you'll be in a moment of stress and when we're stressed, old tapes play that's just old stuff and in the moment it feels so true and it's not true it's just a story that you're telling yourself about what it means that you're in this place where you've binged again
1: it does feel though that there are a lack of resources and help available and I don't like to say this because I don't want to make sweeping statements but I think for people that like have anorexia or bulimia it feels like there are more, I, I might be completely wrong in this, just, this is from my perspective it feels like there's a lot more empathy as a lot more specialist treatment centers whatever I don't like the narrative that fat people need to be fixed but I also do have to recognize and acknowledge that for me binging is a daily occurrence I don't feel like there is anything out there that really addresses that like emotional side of eating and like people will just say like oh go to Weight Watchers go to Slimming World I don't want to do that I know that's not for me I'm never going to do that again sometimes the answer feels like intuitive eating and sometimes I feel like that's that oversimplifies like the complicated relationship that Changing we that have mindset. with food it's like just eat when you're hungry oh thanks Sha I never thought about that
2: <laughs> so yeah to be fair intuitive eating is a, a lot more complex than uh Instagram will have you believe Shocking. it's there's actually a lot more it because people don't Talk about the respecting your body or the gentle nutrition or the emotional side of it. And all those are part of the principles of intuitive eating. It is a depressing scene at the moment for binge eating. So I think I heard you say in one of the podcasts, you know, you've been to your doctor and like begged for help and they suggest a slimming club. Yeah. The NICE guidelines, that is the National Health Service, their guidelines say weight loss should not be a focus of binge eating treatment. It's in there in black and white Mm. because we know that that doesn't work. And I'll have people... It it's such a, in the UK anyway, it's a postcode lottery in terms of where you are. So there might be some places. I know that Beat, they do run a program if you're struggling with binge eating. I run binge eating therapy groups and I don't know anywhere else that does. I've not yet come across anyone else who's running binge eating therapy groups for anyone out there and you know of other places that's
0: wild so, and
2: obviously if i can give it a plug like my youtube channel the binge oh, eating therapist for sure, absolutely plug away. Plug subscribe away. watch put, all the videos it's I so helpful videos on the my podcast life after diets yeah we look at exactly this because we're hearing this message diets don't work mm. but then it's like but what about this but what about that if we're not dieting what are we yeah. actually supposed to be doing instead you can tell <laughs> <Damn> us <laughs> what to do you can tell us yeah. what not
1: to do but then mm. how are we supposed to what are we supposed to do instead that's the scary part for me definitely because like I wish I knew sooner that diets don't work. I'm really glad I know it now. But it's also really scary because it's like, what else is there? Like we're hearing about like Sexenda and a and all of these other things. They're not going to help in the long- as soon as you stop taking them. There's no long term. This is what I mean about nothing really addresses the emotional Side of things, why people overeat and binge eat. And I think that's what's missing, NHS, private, or whatever. The two biggest
2: influences on my recovery have been Eckhart Tolle's work about the now and accepting the moment. So I'm on a bit of a mission to try to, and it's just what I practice anyway, to try to accept everything that's outside of my control. And when I manage to do it, it brings me such relief. So that's kind of reinforcing. And Byron Katie's work. She has these worksheets you can go through where you learn to question your thoughts. So having done that repeatedly about questioning my thoughts and judgments, now something will come into my head and I don't necessarily believe it straight away.
0: That's good.
2: And to get to that place, that's where we really we we maintain our free will and our mm. free choice. Because normally our emotions are telling us something and our thoughts tell us something. And don't get me wrong. I get like caught up in it as well. And then there's these occasions when I don't and they're becoming more often. And that's what I want for people because that's what I think will actually lead you away from compulsion. Because when you accept this moment, everything about this moment, about yourself and whatever's going on, the compulsion to escape it reduces. And
0: I love what you said earlier about it kind of comes down to self-acceptance as well. And I know for me, when I've had periods of food where it's been quite bad, one of them being currently is because I've got other stuff going on. and I feel a bit shit about myself or anxious in life. And I have found that when it's been a bit more... I felt a bit more in control or happier or like it's not even a thought about what I'm eating. It's when I'm feeling lots more happier, lots more settled, good about myself, good about life, all that kind of thing. But it's so difficult to get there because it's like ebbs and flows all the time. And even, you know, if those good days like I'm cured, I'm fabulous. And then the next month you're like, oh, shit. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of say to people that go through those. Yes. It's tough out there, girls. (laughs) 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 When you think
2: in absolutes. Mm. You're going to keep hitting dissonance. So take it, you said a moment ago, diets don't work. You won't hear me running around, not recently anyway, saying diets don't work. What I want is for people to realize for themselves whether diets work for them. Because right. a small percentage of people who are always going to look like they're doing it, we don't know what's going on, whether they're doing it in a healthy way or not. So if you've got this, this thought in your head and you've heard this diets don't work, and that's 100% true, when you see, hear someone talking about a diet or you see something going on and it seems to be working, like that's why we feel triggered. Right. Whereas if we can just ask the question, do diets work for me? I know I can't pursue weight loss because my emotional and mental health suffers too much if I do. Mm. And I know that and I can accept that for myself. And it's okay it has to be okay for me mm. if it works for other people mm. otherwise there's this comparison thing going on all the time and that's, that's just a good
1: point yeah not fun because <laughs> yeah like you do see people and they're like i did keto i done this and i'm magically cured and you're like oh and mm. it goes back to what you said right at the top of the episode of like when people be like if i can do it so can you and it, it's a lot more individual than that isn't it yeah. and it's powerful when we realize it for mm. ourselves So I'll say to people, because obviously all the time I'm working
2: with people and they really do want to lose weight. It's a big thing for them. Mm. And I'll be asking them, what happens when you focus on weight loss? What happens to your food? And then let them answer as opposed to saying, oh, you know, that's not a good idea. And I think we need to be honest about the desire when the desire is there. Because if we push things out of our consciousness and we're like, no, 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 I don't care about weight loss. I don't care about weight loss. We push it back there. I think it's the stuff that's outside of our awareness. Mm that trips us up that leads us into some kind of self-sabotage. Mm. So I love your honesty like you've been on a whole journey with your body image oh, babe, and it's you go cons- the place. <laughs> <laughs> but you and you still say
0: there's still always going to be a part of me as far as you know that's oh, going to yeah. would rather lose weight. Absolutely all the time. Yeah. I can't, I don't think I'll get rid of it but I'm also honest enough to say that that's the case.
2: But then I think the task is not necessarily to get rid of it because it's around us all the time. Mm. The task is how do I manage this desire to lose weight in a way that then doesn't trip me up or
1: derail me in the way mm-hmm. I'm eating yeah so true and stop you living your life like it's m- really hard yeah. it's so it's, emotional it is very emotional it's like because this is something I've been dealing with since I was like eight years old mm-hmm. I remember my dad literally was like let's all weigh ourselves as a family and lose weight as a family even though I was the only one that was like <laughs> needed to lose weight he had really good intentions and I remember getting on the scales and he went oh my god and it was always about kind of like weathering the storm of conversations around you need to lose weight like yeah. no one's gonna love you looking like that You're, you look awful like it just it was yeah it was hard yeah so I think.
0: How can you say you don't have to? that? Is trauma? That is it, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, and it is your re- response to that, but it's also I'm just, like I'm emotional about it. But
2: from a therapy 101 perspective, with what you've described, that eight-year-old is still in you, still feeling the way that you do, and the way that you talk to yourself is probably the way that you were treated and spoken to. So the work would be treating yourself the way you needed to be treated back then. Like, what did eight-year-old you need Mm. when she was feeling the way that she felt? That's what you now, unfortunately, as the grown-up, sucks being a (laughs) grown-up. As the (laughs) grown-up, learning how to offer that to yourself Mm. would start to shift some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful. It makes me feel really sad about, like, when I think about, like, eight-year-old Laura, 11-year-old Laura, 13-year-old Laura, and I just... I just was always made to feel like too big, too much, less than and I just really struggled with it. And I think it was also really hard having a brother that was normal, (laughs) you know, athletic, just ate when he was hungry, ate a lot, never seemed to have like put on any weight or anything and yeah. Think I need to go back to therapy. <laughs> uh, yes, I think we all need to go
0: to therapy. But this is what I'm saying: like when we have conversations like this, it's our third season of this podcast. But there, there's no way that we would talk about these things in the way that you do, or understand them in the way that you do. And so, I think the therapy side of the self-acceptance, body image, body positive, body confidence journey is so important i think we need more groups i think groups are just
2: incredibly powerful at really helping with the all or nothing thinking mm. and the other thing groups do is you know the self-compassion part being really tricky isn't it easier to have compassion for someone else yeah. than yourself massively yeah i've seen you both offering it to each other mm. <laughs> haven't heard you giving it much to each of yourselves individually oh, God. <laughs> so the groups what happens in the group though is you hear people talking about this and you're like oh my goodness that's me You feel compassion for that person in the same situation as you and Mm. the group starts to act as a bit of a mirror. It doesn't happen
1: overnight and you're offering that to one another. I think sometimes we have this in this head of like, I want to be cured, magically cured and perfect. And I think that's unrealistic. Well,
2: it's another uh, area of debate. I think for some people it will be something that they always manage. Right. And for some people they will make a full recovery. It kind of depends what the triggers are for that particular person and what they've done to work on that and where they're at. I think, for me, it doesn't feel like something that I manage, but it's something that I'm always conscious of because I find that often the way I feel about food is really indicative of what's going on for me. Mm. So sometimes so I true. can experience like a sudden urge to go to Ollie and Steen and get one of
0: their cinnamon slices. Oh, good lord! Don't even talk to me about them yet. They're so good.
1: Oh, they they Have you not had, had one?
2: one? I'm missing oh. out. Am I? Yes, <laughs> really. you are. They are good. But recent, well, recently they
0: started. They're now all the same size. They used to be different sizes. So oh, sometimes it was like a lottery. Oh, you get a big one or a small <laughs> one. <laughs> Stop, oh mate! I'll, tomorrow I'm going to go past Ollie okay. and I'm going to get you one. Cute.
2: So I, I notice when I want food, and I notice the strength of that. Because sometimes, so hunger for me is feels different to that sudden urge for something because I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. Mm. And I'll notice it, particularly if I've had a few days where I've been particularly distracted a lot, I've been on my phone a lot and things like that, I find sometimes then I'm experiencing more cravings and I'm like, oh crap, there's probably some feelings I haven't acknowledged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be oh, that oh, self-aware, I love, it. <laughs> I love it.
2: Damn it, got to deal with some stuff now. Yeah, love it. And sometimes I, I always start from a place of I can have it. But if the if the desire for it sometimes feels a bit strong, I'll say to myself, okay, well, what if I had it and I don't distract myself? If I have a really strong resistance to that, chances are for me then I know it's emotional. And again, I'll still have it, but I'll have to slow it down. Mm. And that can feel uncomfortable as well. And I've only really for the last six months said, no, no, I don't struggle with this anymore. Because I was always scared that if I started saying that I didn't, that it was just going to come back. (laughs) Like a weird superstition thing or something. But now I'm like... you keeping a secret from yourself. Um, It's okay. I trust myself that no matter what happens, I'll have my own back.
1: Sarah, honestly, I can't thank you enough. Like That has been so, so helpful and genuinely one of, if not my favourite episodes. Yeah, also made me think that I definitely need to go back to therapy. <laughs> um, but we're going to put all the resources that uh, Sarah's spoken about, so her YouTube channel and all of the other things that she mentioned that helped her. We'll put that in the episode description for you. All. <laughs> my God,
0: that episode was... <laughs> emotional um mm. laura how are you feeling
1: yeah i that that's definitely brought up a lot for me i've chewed all of my nails you have, they were so i was literally <laughs> gonna comment on how beautiful they were and she's literally chewed off all her beautiful nails
0: it was very very interesting i, I think we've both learnt a lot and it's a nice way to kind of put stuff for us like in a different way and yeah I'm so grateful how are you feeling after it yeah Mosh. I think the biggest thing was about that kind of like the comfort eating and reframing it as safety yeah because when I was doing the trauma therapy this word safe comes up a lot right so it's like oh, okay yeah okay we're back so I'm feeling slightly triggered but uh in a way that I've feel okay so I hope mostly I
1: hope that it helps you and I hope that it helps our listeners it's the most important thing definitely me too I feel like we need a little bit of a joy now a little bit of a pick me up yes 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 Uh, yes. so we actually asked you guys on Instagram what you're going to put in your I don't want to say sack of sunshine fun bags fun bags this is a temporary (laughs) oh no I'm fully into fun bags now (laughs) Uh, and you guys said the day's getting lighter Oh, slowly but surely. I'm yes, into that. Booking onto a dressmaking class. <gasps> Someone's done that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Crocs. I can't. I can't commit. I can't. I can't endorse that. <laughs> I
0: have succumbed to the I'm, mini Uggs. Oh, mini Uggs. I can accept the mini Uggs are super purely cute. for warmth and comfort. Uh, I can't endorse Crocs just yet. I'm not in bad no. in life. Not yet. Oh Yolo, Yolo. Yeah,
1: okay, cool. I, don't, I don't really have an opinion on Crocs. I feel like it's very marmite. It's isn't very it?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Fat Raymond novels. Yes, I love them. We got so many recommendations from our episode with Bethany. So yeah, I just yeah for sure give us some fat protagonists
1: all the time. <laughs> I need to read more. Loads of mentions of dogs all the time, every day. Random. Okay, well, fine. Dogs love them uh, all, and this one's my favourite Easter chocolate because mini eggs are back. <sighs> mini eggs. Are I had my back. first bag. It was great. It was so good. And my favorite cream eggs are back. I will revolt for cream eggs. You will revolt.
0: Yeah, I will start a revolution if they like get rid of cream eggs. I will like lead the revolution. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same about mini eggs. Yeah, literally. We that. Need to do like I will join costumes. You. I will dress you up. I will dress you up. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a long day, guys. it <laughs> a long day. I'll dress, dress up as a mini egg, and you can How go as a cream dress egg. A mini
0: egg. Like, you could just have lots on you. Shit. Yes. Yeah, and you could just casually eat it throughout the day. No, you just like a be like. Oh, you a just want to be one egg. big egg, purple speckled egg. That's beautiful. Yeah. I see that for you.
1: And you could go, you know, like the avocado costumes where they're like two people. <gasps> yeah. Yes. that's what We should do. Like, I'll be one half of your cream egg, babes. That's beautiful. <laughs> on that note
0: (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) sorry you're the other half of my cream egg and that's just really beautiful I I feel like not everyone would understand how important that is (laughs)
1: that is love and
0: friendship out right there my, my cream, egg. cream egg. I love you so much My yolk you could be the yolk you know oh. you could be <laughs> And if you show your funny <laughs> this is quite off hand this is what happens when we do the serious stuff we cannot possibly
1: be serious I have stuff. <laughs> jet lag what's your excuse I'm just high on life okay. babes <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note thank you so much for listening uh, and don't forget that we are on Instagram at go love yourself pod, and you can also email us go love at crowd network Work.co.uk. you can also
0: support the show by subscribing on patreon
1: or apple podcasts where you can get ad free and early episodes for one pound a week or you can listen ad free on amazon music we also have some tickets still available to our live show in london on the 3rd of march the link to those will be in the episode description thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week Bye.
0: crowd network place where you belong.